Welcome to 501c3 BS, Deprogramming for Organizational Growth, sponsored by the Gianneschi Center for Nonprofit Research at the California State University Fullerton College of Business and Economics. This season, we are busting this 10 minutes at a time with a short 10-minute podcast. Today's topic came up spontaneously last week when I was at the California Association of Museums Conference, and this happened. Uh, my name is Celeste Wald, and I'm the executive director of the California Association of Museums, the organization that is putting the conference on. The head honcho herself. <laughs> All right. You must have in your career heard many myths, myths about our sector that are just completely wrong. Misconceptions. Yeah. Um, the one of my favorites is that nonprofits can't lobby or advocate. And that's really integral to the work that we do because, you know, the California Association of Museums does a lot of advocacy and law and some lobbying, um, you know, in Sacramento where we really are the voice of the museum field when it comes to state affairs, legislative affairs. And so that really frustrates me when we ask members, member institutions to get involved and the response is, oh, well, we, we can't do advocacy. We're a nonprofit. According to the IRS, quote, no organization may qualify for Section 501c3 status if a substantial part of its activities is attempting to influence legislation, commonly known as lobbying. A 501c3 organization may engage in some lobbying, but too much lobbying activity risks the loss of tax-exempt status. According to the American Bar Association Business Law Today, Volume 18, Number 4, March, April 2009, and I quote, there is a widespread perception that nonprofits cannot lobby, or if they do lobby, they are exploiting some kind of legal loophole. The fact is that nonprofits, even 501c3 organizations, which are the most restricted type of nonprofits, may legally lobby. Getting involved in the legislative process and having a say in policy discussions is not just an appropriate role for nonprofits, it is vital. If nonprofits are not speaking on behalf of their often vulnerable communities, chances are nobody else's either. So which is it? Are we not allowed to lobby and advocate for ourselves? Or can we advocate as much as we'd like? Here to answer these questions, I have a very special guest from the top advocacy group in the country for the social sector. Hi, I'm David Thompson, Vice President of Public Policy for the National Council of Nonprofits. What is lobbying and and what is the difference between lobbying and advocacy? Okay. The think of the Golden Gate Bridge as lobbying and all of California is advocacy. Lobbying is something very narrow, very distinct. You can look at it and you can see it, but it's not the whole state of California. Advocacy is just about everything you do. Lobbying is limited to, you have to have three conditions for something to be called lobbying under the tax law. Number one, you have to be talking to a legislator or her or his staff. So you have to talk to a decision maker. Number two, you have to be talking about actual legislation, talking about climate change, talking about a, an abstract concept. Better education, for instance, is not legislation. It has to be existing legislation or something you're asking the legislator to introduce. And third, you have to be asking for a vote. Just talking about education without asking for a vote on specific legislation is not lobbying. So it's talking to a decision, a legislative decision maker, and talking about specific legislation and asking for a vote. Those very narrow things combined have to combine to make lobbying. Advocacy, to me, it all, what is advocacy boils down to one question everybody in the nonprofit world, I hope, is asking, 
or her himself when they wake up in the morning. Who can I talk to today to advance my mission? That means telling a, a fellow member of the orchestra that you will the person's out of tune so that you're sounding better. It may be encouraging a grumpy thrift store manager to lighten up and invite people in. It could be talking to a funder. This is nonprofit advocacy. Talking to a funder about your impact in the community and why more money could help or uh, to uh, encourage others to collaborate. It could be talking to a civic group, inviting the Elks and the Rotary Club to come in and participate in the work you're doing. You can't clean up the park with just your staff, but you can do it with lots of other helpers in the community, volunteers. It could be asking a politician for legislation. It could be talking to a reporter or a news anchor or the publisher of the newspaper to uh, explain what it is you do, what your impact is, and why it makes a difference. So all those it could be storytelling, it could be relating data, but all those examples focus on what anybody is already doing. Everyone's already engaging in nonprofit advocacy. The Fairbanks Food Bank is an independent food bank in Fairbanks, Alaska. They have they do good work in the community. Their mission is to feed hungry people in a very cold tundra. They were told by a national restaurant or national grocery chain that the chain is no longer going to be donating good canned goods uh, to the food bank. They claimed, cited liability issues and other concerns, and they said, we're not going to donate to the food bank anymore. Well, Samantha Thurston, who was the CEO, said, that's bad. That's not a good idea. That hurts my mission. So she wrote a letter and got the report back that uh, liability concerns. Well... She didn't just take it as that because it was hurting her mission. So instead, when the children's groups would come through the food bank to put food in boxes and things, she'd talk to their parents and say, do you believe what the grocery chain has, has said? Would you write in a letter and say, please support our community? Rotary elk groups come through and use, use the food bank's conference table or conference room. So she'd tell the story and ask them to, um, to spread the word that, that we need that, this grocery chain to support the that support the food bank. Long story short, eventually the vice president for making the decision called up Samantha and said, of course we support the community of Fairbanks. How can we demonstrate it? And she said, well, reverse the policy and start donating the quality uh, unsold food to the food bank again. He said, done. But he didn't just do it for the Fairbanks food bank. He did it for all independent food banks across the country. This was a major national chain. So tens, tens of thousands or tens of thousands of Tons of food started flowing back into food banks and easing the, the hunger needs all over the country. This is one person saying, this policy adversely affects my mission. What can I do about it? So she got her community involved. Now, it's my favorite nonprofit advocacy story because you'll notice that not a single politician was harmed in the telling of that story. <laughs> That's the case of... Advocacy is finding something that is getting in the way of being successful and overcoming it. There's a wonderful quote from an old Alabama lobbyist I heard. It's my accent close enough, so I'm going to use it. David, you never want to have to ask a stranger for a favor, so get on up there and meet him now before you need something. <laughs> Translate it into your own accent, and the whole point is talking with the newspaper reporter before there's some scandal in your town. Talking to the politician or the, the funder or the civic group 
before there's a dire need, you know the community needs to come together. You know that there needs to be a strong voice uh, for the nonprofit community. So now's good time as any to start using it. That's the secret to fundraising, too, is developing those relationships. So we're doing advocacy all the time in our communities. We don't always realize it, and we don't always see that we can be affecting change on a local level. So, well, David, it's been a pleasure to talk with you, and I really appreciate you taking out the time, carving an hour out of your schedule, working with the uh, politicians there in in Washington to talk to little old me. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, and thank you for your listeners for the work they're doing. You know, uh, I think Jay Leno said it, said it best that politics comes from the Greek root of poly, meaning many, and ticks, meaning bloodsuckers. <laughs> Thank you for listening to 501c3BS, deprogramming for organizational growth. I'm your host, Zufalasco. Check out my Twitter feed at 501c3BS, my webpage at zufalasco.com, and my book, The First 100 Days, on Amazon. The music is provided to us from our good friends at the traditional Brazilian choro group, Grupo Falso Baiano and Amy Molinelli. Find them at grupofalsobaiano.com. Thank you for listening. Have a great day free from BS.